from the New Media Project at the NYU School of Medicine and the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, why it's good to be square if you're a cataract wound. The eye becomes soft, and as the patient blinks, more fluid will escape. And then when they open the eye, actually they'll create uh, negative pressure or a suction into the eye. So it's thought that the patient who rubs the eye very firmly with an unstable incision is at greater risk for infection. First this. The Accreditation Council for Continuing Medical Education requires a financial interest disclosure before any CME activity. Dr. Maskett declares no real or apparent conflicts of interest. As seen from here, the first podcast for physicians, the first podcast to offer CME credit, and the first to offer multinational editions is now co-sponsored by the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. The ASCRS recognizes the power of this new medium in communication and education of physicians everywhere. This partnership will allow us to bring new content to you and add new voices to our community. From Manhattan to Mumbai, from the Bay Area to Beijing, one conversation as seen from here. Clear corneal cataract incisions lend a number of advantages over scleral tunnel wounds, but protection from endophthalmitis is not one of them. It is therefore paramount that these wounds do not leak. Sam Maskett has made a study of these wounds and has specific recommendations for us. And as Huey Lewis once said, it's hip to be square. What do we know about bacterial endophthalmitis and cataract wounds? If you think about it, there are four ways that we can uh, reduce the chance for postoperative infection. The first one is to reduce or, dis- or eliminate the number of microbes on the surface, and that's usually by chemoprophylaxis. The second thing is intraoperatively um, eliminating the opportunity for microbes on the surface to enter the eye, and that would be by appropriate draping of the lid margins and lashes, as we know that that in the case of sporadic endophthalmitis, that represents the source in the overwhelming majority of cases. That's clearly been established uh, by work of Mark Speaker, in which they looked at uh, the genetics of the bacteria were identical, and those on the surface and those recaptured from the vitreous in a series of cases. And that really is a, draping is, is uh, a major method of reducing intraocular contamination during surgery. And also, low complication rates. We know that capsule rupture has a uh, perhaps at least a five-fold increased likelihood for infection. Um, the third thing we can do then also is make sure that our incision is hermetically sealed, and that is so that microbes cannot enter the eye postoperatively. And then the fourth thing we can do to reduce the likelihood for infection is to have agents that will either destroy microbes that should enter the eye during surgery or, uh, or early after surgery. And the incision is, is factor number three, and that is to have hermetic sealing so that we don't have entrance of microbes following surgery. Now, the uh, body of work that Peter McDonald and, and his associates 
indicates that there's a greater rate of infection over the last decade or so. And Peter um, associates this with the rise of the use of clear corneal incisions. Um, when one reviews uh, data for infection rates, uh, it, it concurs with, what, with Peter's contention. Interestingly enough, when you look at infection rates in other anterior segment procedures, particularly, uh, particularly corneal transplant, uh, over the last decade, those rates are lower. So um, he comes to the conclusion that it has to do with our clear corneal incision. Well, the next question is, what is it about the corneal incision that would allow a greater likelihood for infection? Why should this occur? And if you compare it to the sclerocorneal incision, would you think it is related to the conjunctival closure, or could there be other factors? Well, conjunctival closure is probably not uh, a factor because we really don't have hermetic sealing of the conjunctiva, even in uh, a large proportion of our filtering cases, they will tend to leak early after surgery. Uh, also, we always make a paracentesis, or virtually always, and there's been no greater rates of infection associated with paracentesis. And then carrying it one step further, um, corneal transplant, by definition, is a 360-degree clear corneal incision. So it's not just that the incision is in clear cornea and that it's not covered by conjunctiva. I think it has to do with wound architecture. Um, we know from the work of Paul Ernest years ago in looking at incision configuration and burst strength, etc., um, he found that if he made his incision square in its surface architecture in a series of cadaverize, that it would resist a tremendous amounts of both internal and external pressure in terms of wound leakage. Uh, whereas if the incision is less than square, in its configuration, more rectangular, then it can be more subject to external deformation that might occur when a patient blinks hard um, or squeezes or, or rubs their eye. And it's easier to construct an incision in a sclerocorneal tunnel in a square configuration because it's further from the apex of the cornea. Um, and because we tend to dissect those with... Um, uh, duller blades than we do make with uh, than we use for our corneal incisions. So when people when, when sclerocorneal incisions were the vogue, there were a series of templates that people could use um, ink pad stamps on the surface of the eye. One could make almost any uh, design they wanted, and typically they were far more square or or frankly square in their surface architecture. When working in uh, in the cornea, on the other hand. Um, people rarely create a square incision for a number of reasons. Um, it's harder to control the configuration of the incision when using a sharp gem blade. People tend not to dissect the pocket, so to speak. And if an incision is three millimeters in width, then creating three millimeter length tunnel into the uh, anterior chamber is often associated with ore locking. Uh, production of stria on the surface, and so uh, surgeons tend not to like with an incision uh, configuration of that nature. And so um, what happens is you have wind up with a rectangular incision that is not so stable, and if the patient will push on the eye or what have you, fluid will escape, the eye will become soft, and when the internal uh, pressure of the eye is soft, 
you create an influx then of material from the outside to the inside as the incision loses its ability to stay sealed under low pressures. And this has been demonstrated uh, both in the laboratory uh, as well as um, uh, clinically. Clinically, there's a paper um, by Shingleton in the 2001 Journal of Cataract and Refractive Surgery in which um, they looked at uh, their patients uh, 30 minutes after surgery, clear corneal incision, and found that 20.5% of those patients had intraocular pressures of less than 5 millimeters of mercury. But in that paper, they never discussed incision configuration or how they um, established pressure at the end of surgery, if they did, if they tested their incision for hermetic sealing. All they did was do their surgery and then measure pressure 30 minutes later. Um, Peter McDonald and his group have looked at cadaver eyes and when pressure in the eyes less than uh, 10 millimeters of mercury, they find that those incisions tend to be unstable to external deformation. So I think there really is a case to be made for uh, incision configuration, hypotony, and increased rates of infection. Now, in a very small study I did with cadaver eyes and working with the intralase device, the femtosecond laser, in order to create incisions of different uh, configurations, um, I was able to demonstrate that uh, if the incision was square or nearly square, then it would not demonstrate leakage at uh, virtually any level of intraocular pressure uh, when the eye was subjected to external decomp uh, decompression with an ophthalmodynamometer. The experimental setup um, involved manometrically establishing intraocular pressure uh, between 5 and uh, 40 millimeters of mercury and then pressing on the equator of the globe with an ophthalmodynamometer until we saw leakage uh, with incisions of either 3 by 1, 3 by 1.5, or 3 by 2 millimeters in their configuration. We got to the 3 by 2, irrespective of how low we set the pressure in the eye or how firmly we pressed with the ophthalmodynamometer, we established no leakage at all. When we had it at 3 by 1.5, the softer the eye, the greater was the tendency for leakage with the external pressure. And so that very small study uh, demonstrated to me um, that incision configuration is really what it's all about and that if we are square, we really don't do not, and, and also we don't distort the tissue and we demonstrate that the incision is sealed intraoperatively, then it's unlikely for us to see leakage postoperatively and then you don't start the leakage hypotony uh, imbibition of fluid with bacteria after surgery. And so in order to test this clinically, um, I've been working primarily with a 2.2 millimeter uh, clear corneal incision, um, what we refer to as microcoaxial fake emulsification. And um, I attempt to make those incisions uh, as square as possible. And in a series of 50 patients tested between two and six hours after surgery, um, and this represented the bulk of the patients in this in study that was published uh, in the March issue of the Journal of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. We established intraocular pressure at physiologic levels in every eye. It was set between 15 and 20 millimeters of mercury at the close of surgery. 
um, I use either a Shias tonometer or a modified Barricare tonometer to measure the pressure. And then intraoperative Seidel testing was done uh, on uh, all incisions, and none showed any leakage. The patients were then measured uh, two to six hours after surgery, uh, most by applination tonometry, uh, some, depending upon the facility at which they were examined, some were, were measured by Tonopen. And we found that in no case was the pressure lower than 10. In no case was there a positive Seidel. And the pressure ranged between 10 and 36 uh, with a, a mean somewhere about 19.4 millimeters. So while we were a little bit later in our uh, time gauge for measuring pressure than the Shingleton study, uh, we saw no evidence for leakage in any of these eyes. And my sense is that that could be extrapolated to the immediate postoperative period as well because you know, at the close of surgery, they were physiologic and they were sealed. So I, I think that how the wound is managed is one of the major factors in postoperative infection. And it's not just a question of architecture. One also has to demonstrate that the incision is sealed at the close of surgery. What might make sealing difficult would be uh, distortion of the tissue. If one uh, tries to force devices through incisions that are too small, they will tend to um, distort the tissue, uh, can fish mouth, and then it's hard to seal. And so I do believe that wound hydration plays a role. I hydrate all of the incisions. And uh, if I cannot demonstrate to my satisfaction um, hermetic sealing by Seidel testing, I have no hesitation of placing a suture as appropriate, although it's rare that I need to do so. Um, this um, problem, I think, of wound distortion is very evident to me in, in what's referred to as biaxial or, or by manual microphaco because these round, rigid tubes are forced through slit incisions. And the smaller the incision, the more it's going to be distorted by a round tube. It's just a question of geometry. Uh, and, and so I, I really prefer to have a sleeved incision so that the incisional tissue is not distorted and stretched beyond its ability to recover uh, at the close of surgery. Can you walk me through construction of one of these cataract wounds? Sure. Um, in some preliminary studies, I found that in working with microcoaxial phacal emulsification, that the incision size required was truly 2.2 millimeters as measured with Steiner Deacon gauges. Um, if I attempted to make the incision smaller, uh, let's say 2 millimeters, I would wind up distorting the tissue and would actually enlarge to greater than 2.2 millimeters. But if I, if I made it 2.2 in the beginning, then I did not extend it beyond that size, but the close of surgery, again, is measured by the Steiner Deacon gauges. So I use a, a diamond blade that will create a 2.2 millimeter incision. And um, the first part of making the incision is establishing intraocular pressure at a um, perhaps slightly above physiologic levels. So after I make a paracentesis, uh, I'll place a uh, visco agent inside the chamber. Um, it, one does not want to make the globe rock hard because uh, the firmer the eye, the shorter the tunnel uh, that will be made. And so uh, I make the eye relatively firm, 
And the diamond blade that I use has dull sides, and it requires, therefore, that I make uh, a groove, a vertical groove, just inside the vascular arcade, or perhaps just at the vascular arcade. And I use a guarded 200 micron diamond blade to make a groove, and I make the groove about 2.5 millimeters long, so the 2.2 blade will fit well within the groove. And then I uh, use counter-traction with a closed McPherson forceps uh, in the um, side port incision. And then I take the 2.2 blade and um, applinate so that I'm within the groove. And then I just pass anteriorly. And because the, the um, if one just goes in the plane of the iris, uh, ordinarily we'll wind up with a square incision without any difficulty at all. Um, if, however, if the globe is too soft, the incisional tract will be um, actually longer than wide, uh, or if the globe is too firm, it'll be shorter than wide. So it, it requires both a, a sense of intraocular pressure, angulation of the blade, creation of the groove, but it just it's very, very reproducible for me. Now, you inserted these lenses through a Monarch-type B cartridge. I'm curious why you use the B rather than the smaller C cartridge. No, no, we use a C cartridge. In the paper, there was a subset of 10 patients who had a 3-millimeter incision, and I made those incisions square as well. And in that subset who had the 3-millimeter incision, we used the B cartridge. I see. The 50 patients with the 2.2-millimeter incision indeed had the C cartridge. What role does eye rubbing play in loss of intraocular pressure in the perioperative period? Well, if the, um, if the incision is physically unstable so that it cannot tolerate external deformation, uh, if the patient rubs the eye, uh, theoretically, you'll have aqueous burp, so to speak, out of the incision if it's not stable. Then um, the eye becomes soft, and as the patient blinks, more fluid will escape. And then when they open the eye, actually they'll create uh, negative pressure or a suction into the eye. And you'll have material carried in from the ocular surface uh, through the incision into the uh, anterior chamber. So it's thought that the patient who rubs the eye very firmly with an unstable incision um, is at greater risk for uh, infection. Do you think that loss of pressure perioperatively is due to things like rubbing and squeezing, or do you think it's due to frank wound leak? No, I, I really don't think it's, it's a, a, a patient fault, so to speak. I honestly believe it's, it's incision construction. Um, I don't really think that surgeons, I, I don't think that enough uh, surgeons are aware of the importance of the architecture of the incision. Um, I know that I see a number of patients who will come through my office for uh, second opinions or complications following surgery or what have you, and I'll look at their incision construction, and it's most typical for me to see incisions that are three by perhaps one to one and a half millimeters in their um, architecture, and those are just quite frankly unstable. And I mean, it's been demonstrated um, you know, very, very well by the work of Paul Ernest. It's been demonstrated, you know, I've demonstrated it. And so I think um, it, it's, if, in my view, if we leave the table with the eye at physiologic pressure and the incision demonstrated to be sealed at that pressure 
in the operating room, then it's going to stay that way postoperatively. Uh, I am particularly compulsive and meticulous about incision management, um, but I think it's, uh, it's worth the effort. Sam, is there anything more you'd like to add? I have a, a paper that's in uh, editorial review in the Journal of Cataract and Refractive Surgery comparing uh, surgically induced astigmatism with 2.2 millimeter versus 3.0 millimeter incisions. And it turns out that, that there is indeed a statistically significant reduction of surgically induced astigmatism with the 2.2 versus 3.0 uh, clear corneal incision. So I, I think there are advantages to downsizing the incision, um, particularly with stability if one can make the incision square or nearly square in its architecture. Um, again, I have my reservations about the biaxial surgery because, uh, again, when you take a round, rigid tube and push it through a slit, um, the slit has to be deformed. And so I believe very firmly that we need to have a cushion that not only does coaxial emulsification provide a better uh, fluid, um, uh, or we, we can put more fluid into the eye with a silicone sleeve, but we also cushion the incision so it doesn't get distorted, less likelihood for heating. And so even though I have uh, a good amount of experience with biaxial surgery, both with laser phaco and phaco, and phaco emulsification. Um, the incisions are often problematic for me, and so I've abandoned that approach until we can have some type of cushioning to those tubes. Sam Maskett, thank you so much. You're more than welcome. Sam Maskett is president of the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery and clinical professor of ophthalmology at the Jules Stein Eye Institute at the Geffen School of Medicine at UCLA in Los Angeles, California. His paper, Proper Wound Construction to Prevent Short-Term Ocular Hypotony After Clear Corneal Incision Cataract Surgery, appears in the March 2007 issue of the Journal of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. Ask questions of Dr. Maskett or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Call our listener response lines in the United States dial area code 646-808-0231. In the United Kingdom dial 020-7558-8275 or Skype J Young MD. Those numbers can be found on our website as seenfromhere.com. As Seen From Here is a production of the New Media Project of the NYU School of Medicine and the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery and is edited by Joe Fry. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.